Welcome to the Unmeasured Podcast. I'm your host, Simi Bodich. Thank you so much for being here with me today. We're really doing it. It is the first ever episode of the Unmeasured Podcast. I just want to like take a minute to soak this in because this is such a dream come true. And I've wanted to do this for so long. And now we're really doing it. And I cannot think of a better first episode co-host to have here with me than the queen of podcasting herself, the woman who taught me what the (laughs) F a podcast was like, you know, over 10 years ago when we first became friends, Katie Dalebout. I'm so happy that you're here with me and with our community today on the Unmeasured Podcast. What an honor and a privilege. Congratulations. This, I've been telling you for years, you should have a podcast. I finally got it together and we're making it happen. And you know how when you start something, people always say like, oh, you know, you're, you're with the podcast. Let's use that as an example. Your first episode like is going to be your worst episode. It's only going to get better from here. And I'm like, well, listen, if this is going to be my worst episode, I got to bring someone on who knows what they're doing and nobody knows what they're doing on a podcast more than you. So if my ship starts to sink, we'll just jump onto yours and we're going to be fine. Uh Oh, I just moved something with my foot. See, this is how good I am. I think you, I don't know how, I don't know how great of a choice you made, but I, that is very kind. And thank you for saying that I am by far not by no means am I an expert in anything. And podcasting is definitely one of those things I'm not an expert in, but I have been doing it for a long time, very long time. And you were, I don't know if it was your first time being a guest on a podcast, but you have been a guest on the podcast more than anybody except my friend Sasha, I think. And I hope you'll be a guest many, many times more. And when I said I've been telling you for years, you should have a podcast, it was only selfishly so I would get to hear your voice whenever I wanted to. And also because I do get to talk to you on the phone and voice texting, and I haven't seen you in way too long, which is a whole nother issue, but we will see each other soon or in person. And I wanted more people to be able to experience that. And you're so good at obviously speaking. And I've, I've heard you give talks. I've heard you host panels. I've heard you in conversation, but also you're so funny. You're so dynamic. And the way you obviously, you know, work with clients and then, you know, on video too, you've done so many and being on the other side of interviews, you've been done so many, you're so dynamic. I just knew you'd be so good at it and it would come naturally. It will come naturally to you. So I just think it's going to be a, re- I have a really good feeling about it. I think it's going to be a really good medium for you. I think you're going to have fun with it. I think it's going to be, and it's a really, you know, the, the medium of podcasting, it's, it's a welcome phenomenon in a way because it's slower. It's, been around forever it was we've been telling stories as mankind like more than reading for a longer time than we've read you know and so it comes now we can listen quicker than we can read we can you know there's something very intimate about it because people multitask when they're doing it you're taking people with you driving or folding laundry or whatever and I don't know I think it I think it's gonna be good for you. Like, I think you're going to enjoy it as much as people are going to enjoy listening. Thank you so much, Katie. And you said, you know, that you're not an expert in podcasting, but I have to say that I think that that's not true. And I want to share with everyone all of the amazing things that you do. I, to me, you are the person who knows more about podcasting and is just such an incredible host. Like, it's absolutely amazing. You are a writer, an interviewer, a host. Your weekly interview podcast, Let It Out, began in 2013, now has over 400 episodes with nearly 7 million downloads. Like, this is amazing. In 2019, you also started co-hosting and producing the mental health show, Spiraling, another podcast, which is fantastic. And because you know, um, I am someone who experiences anxiety. Like I have just gotten so much from, from Spiraling as well. And I'm so thankful to you for creating both of those, uh, both of those podcasts. In 2016, your book, Let It Out, was published by Hay House. You now teach workshops, an online class for independent podcasts. 
you run an accountability support group called In Process Consults, and you also write a weekly newsletter. You, I love that you uh, say that you live in LA, but you walk like you still live in New York City. Um, you love your daily walks. Yeah. So do you. you I do. The, I love them. You're the, you're the unfortunate recipient of the plethora of voice texts that just get longer and longer when I'm walking. I love it. Makes me so happy. It makes me so, so happy. I know a little bit about why you first started podcasting, but I would love for you to share a little bit about what drew you to podcasting in the first place before we dive into, you know, the question of today's episode, because like millions of downloads, it's really, really amazing to think that you started this you know, this medium in 2013 before a lot of people were doing it, Um, which like, I feel like now everyone has a podcast, which is one of the reasons why for a while I thought I shouldn't start a podcast. Everyone already has one, but you started a podcast like before everyone had one. Yeah. I mean, timing, we've, we've spoken about this with, with other aspects of our work too, like with in a social media sort of a way or in, you know, with sending out emails or whatever it is, like, since we've been doing it for a long time, it changes and it's so different than how it was when it began. Like, I think email is a really good example. Like you and I have both been sending out an email newsletter since also since 2013 or around that time for you, I think maybe even before that. But when now everybody's on Substack and everybody has a newsletter and it's, it's just blogging in a different way, you know, like it's, it was just a timing issue you know I, I think the the reason I got into it because at that time and it did it, it honestly it gave me a little bit of momentum there was more space obviously and I was I was one of fewer at least people who looked like me and were my I had youth on my side I had like a lot of privilege on my side and one of those privileges being like this confidence that I had in my youth you know I I was 22 um and to to take you back of like why I even was like this podcasting was because as you know I studied broadcast journalism in college and I was in college and I I wanted to be a tv news reporter and you know on camera video stuff and all of the prereqs for the video classes were radio. So we were studying NPR and we were studying these um, interviewing shows, sort of, you know, it was like a little bit part of the curriculum. So it gave me, it op- I, that's the first time I learned about that stuff because I didn't, a lot of people I know now like grew up listening to NPR and had it on the back. Like I didn't know what NPR was until I was in college. Like my mom, I think you do know this. She's a big pop music top 40 radio guy and so she's always you know we would listen to the radio it would be top 40 um and so I didn't I never heard talk radio really until college and then when I moved away after college I I had this blog and I was teaching yoga and I was into wellness at the time so that's what the niche so I had a niche and then I had a uh, interest and I, the other privilege I had on my side was that I can kind of talk to anybody. Like I sort of had, again, it was sort of that confidence, I think, but I could just cold email people and be like, Hey, I haven't, I have a podcast. I'm like four years old. Uh, isn't that cool? You know? And I think at the time, like the other privilege I had was like, people didn't know really what podcasting was but they they had a vague idea of it and then they would just see that I had a well-designed album cover and a link on iTunes and to them they were like oh she's on iTunes I mean (laughs) like but like everybody can be on iTunes you know kind of like now how Spotify like anybody can put the reason like there were no gatekeepers there are no gatekeepers, but like people didn't know there weren't gatekeepers. So here I was emailing them to be, you know, people who at the time I really, and I still do, like I really looked up to in their field and a lot of it was wellness and, and self-help. And, but, but it was so cool because here I was, I was like, I would read somebody's book or I would watch a YouTube video of them. And then I would very easily figure out what their email was or what their assistant's email was or what the publicist's email was send a cold email that was just like, hey, 
I love your work for these reasons. Really genuine, really earnest. I would love to, you know, and ask, thank you so much. No problem. Just in case, if you want to, no problem, please feel free to say no. If you would give me an hour of your time to do this podcast and I would send the link and, and I, and the more I did it, the more I had a little bit of legitimacy because I had an archive of their peers. Like if I had a bunch of their friends on, I would be like, I've also interviewed so-and-so and so-and-so. And so they were like, oh, well, she did it. Like, okay. And the ask for them was quite low. Like I was asking for an hour of their time, but they didn't have to prepare anything. They didn't have to think about it. They just had to show up. And to them, they were like, and I'll reach a new audience or I'll just like talk about my work for an hour with this fan, you know, like, and it was, you know, sort of a make-a-wish to me, but I was getting all these like free coaching sessions or free, like, I think at one point I had really bad acne and I wanted to heal it holistically. So I got onto this wormhole of um, holistic acne healers and what you should eat. And I mean, it's stuff that I, I don't even necessarily buy now or wouldn't even whatever, whatever my thing that I was into was at the time, whether it was healing my acne or I mean, you probably remember them better than I do of, you know, whatever topic I was into, I would just email and I still do this. I email the people, the book that I read, the whatever it is, and it doesn't happen every time, but I get to either have a conversation with them and like ask what I wanted to know and share it with other people, which is really cool. And it's kind of a rising tide lifts all boats because it does bring more people to their work, hopefully, and now more so than back then. Um, but it was also, you know, just sort of right place, right time. And, and anyway, and I, I also, the other thing I should say too, is like the tech side of it, of like how to get it to iTunes and what microphone to get and all of that. Like I just started, like I started with the headphones I had from my computer. I just did it, but I did have, as you know, help. Like I had, I get really overwhelmed by that sort of thing. And I sort of knew editing, but not well. And I, I think about this all the time because even like the way I edit is still how this, I was dating this person named Adam, as you know, and he taught me how to edit in GarageBand and he taught me the keyboard commands and he taught me like, he taught me like how to use a Macintosh. I was at the Apple store recently and they were like, these are all like really kind of antiquated things you do on here, like from like 10 years ago. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's all my tricks. That, Vintage. You know, but I had this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I had this supportive person where like I could be in my zone of genius. Like I could be doing the part that I liked, which was prepping for an interview, researching, going down a rabbit hole, speaking to someone and then promoting it and then sharing it on on social media you know, all of that. We weren't making clips then, but like I got to do what I thought of then and and still do is like all the fun parts and, you know, he would take care of the rest. So I could do the fun part. So I can't say that I would have actually done it or kept doing it if I hadn't had his initial support, which I, you know, since sort of replaced with other people that I paid to, to help me and have taken on, you know, a lot of it myself and now do it for other people. So it's, you know, it's, it's changed, but that was the, that was the beginning of it. I love hearing about the start of the podcast and how you had that, that confidence. And I don't know if like this resonates with you, but it's almost like a beginner's confidence, a confidence that you have in yourself around something where you don't know all of the hurdles that you're going to be met with yet. And you can just be like really excited about what's about to happen and really believing in yourself. The question that I would love for us to chat about today, which came from uh, someone in our community is a great segue off of that confidence, which is what's something you realized you wrote off for yourself? Why do you think you did? And how did you open yourself up to and believe in this option? for yourself. So I feel like it's almost like those moments in life where you might have the opposite of confidence in yourself, something that you feel like you wouldn't be able to do and um and what that what that might be for you and I wonder if at any points like has it ever been podcasting like as things have changed or as you've grown like have you ever felt that around anything with podcasting or like maybe something else in life? Well, I I, I was going to make the joke like when we talk about the confidence like where to go? You like I yeah. don't have that <laughs> anymore. I I think it's something that we talk about. I think a lot privately is like, I I don't know. I mean, maybe it ebbs and flows, but it's interesting that I I do I admire that person from ten years ago. You know, I cringe at a lot of the things she 
would do or say or, or, or I, I have that app time hop as you know because I send you you know photos from years ago whenever they pop up of you but I'm like I see a very earnest post I wrote and I'm just like oh my god like because now I think earnestness is sort of cringe in a way it wasn't back then which I I think is a problem like I, I think it's it's uncool to do these things that before were cool or we it's all perception and it's all sort of warped in our mind and, and that's kind of the thing that I don't know it's 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 kind of hard to conceptualize like I admire a lot of aspects of my past self and I also wonder what my past self would think of me now like would would they be like oh I'm pretty cool how that shook out or like oh yikes I didn't think it'd go that way like I don't know and um so with this question I you you told me it like a week ago and I liked it and I thought about it and then I forgot about it and as you know I asked you this morning and and I was thinking about it on my hike and I had a couple of things come to mind but what would you say to this question I feel like I need to hear your answer before I know totally so before I answer I just have to say that when you were talking about your mom listening to top 40 music and all of that, I was thinking about how being here with this microphone, I'm like, I feel like Delilah. Did you ever listen to her on the of radio? Course. Okay. I'm like, Delilah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. feel like, I feel like it's like a, a this and like, is this how Delilah felt like every day at her job? This is awesome. Um, and for me, I think something that I wrote off for myself, like as early as when I was listening to Delilah as when I was a kid is more um, less of a specific thing, although I can name many specific things that fell under this umbrella, but um, almost more of like a personality trait or a way of being. And that's creative. Like, I think what I wrote off for myself was that like, I am a creative person. And I think growing up, things that were more structured came more naturally to me. So things like math, like math was always and easy for me because there was a formula and you could plug into it. And it's just like you learn the structure and then you, it's easy peasy. Like that was how it felt in my, for all of us. <laughs> that, was, that was how my brain worked. And even like band, I loved band. I band was like a big part of my life growing up because to me, music was like math. I'm like, you just look at the music, you read the music. It's like a math problem. And then whatever the note says, you just, you know, hold those fingers down. And then that is how you make music. And so for me, it was things that felt very like straightforward. And I think I had, I have a very creative sister who people like identify her as more creative and she's always had like incredibly creative interests. And so I always felt like the not creative one. Um, and I think I really wrote that off for myself for a really long time. Um, and it's only, you know, been in the last handful of years where I felt like, you know what, actually, I am very creative, even if I can't sit down and necessarily make like visual art, that I have a brain that wants to think creatively about things and wants to create like I want to create things and that feels like such a part of who I am now and so I think it was for me writing off like being a creative person and then needing to find ways to like reconnect with that and when I think about moments in my life where I've thought like oh I wish I could do that or I wish I could have that it's always been around something um that is more creative like as a kid and like even in college, my dream job was to be on The View. I'm like, I just want to be on The View. Like I want to sit at a table. I want to like have conversations. I want to be like thinking about things and like forming opinions. And like how fun would that be as a job? so good. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so like that, that was like a dream job then. And then when I was practicing law and I was thinking about leaving, I remember that I um, I picked up a book, an Emily Giffen book, and it was like the Something Borrowed Blue books, whatever, like that mm -hmm. series. And I remember reading her bio. And I will never forget this moment where I think it said she went to – I'm like, I'll never forget this moment, but watch me like botch the actual facts of this. But I think no it one said – <laughs> 
There's no, this is an armchair expert. There's not going to be a fact check at the end. So everyone can just <laughs> Google and do it themselves. But like, I remember reading her bio and seeing that she had gone to, I think like Wake Forest Law School. And then she was a novelist. And I was like, what? She went to law school and now she writes novels. I'm like, this would be my dream come true. Like, yeah. I would love to write stories. Like how amazing would, like how amazing would that be? And then I also remember that she was like incredibly expansive for me at that moment because it was this person who had gone to law school and then yeah, did something totally. really different. And that kind of unlocked something for me. Um, but I think like when I think back on these moments where I had this real feeling of like, I wish I could do that or like, I want to, I want to do that. It's always been around like some form of, you know, creative expression that involves words. And I think that it took me many years of just hearing the things that actually sounded exciting to me and that I actually wanted to do and then giving those things a try to feel like, wow, I guess that I actually am a creative person, even if I might not be like traditionally creative or um, like a visually like creative person. Wow. I obviously knew about band and law school, but I didn't, I didn't realize you were a mathlete. I mean, you know, I, I have to use a calculator for everything nowadays, but like, you know, back in the day when I was in math classes, it was like my, it was my easiest subject. Wow. I don't know why that, like, I'm sure it must've come up in our over, cause we didn't even tell everyone who I'm sure people you know, maybe know that, uh, that we've been friends for like 10 years, but I thought that would have come up and maybe it did. And I, I would have remembered that. I think, I mean, I, it's like, I have to, I have to keep just dripping out these interesting facts about myself to keep you interested. In yeah. <laughs> you don't have to do one thing to keep me interested. I love you unmeasured the level. I love you. The love um, is unmeasured. I had I was holding in this fact about math to spring it on you today. <laughs> wow, wow. I mean, that, I, that that's incredible. I I think it's funny. Maybe this is going to sound terrible, but the maybe one of the reasons I don't. It's so surprising to me because one of the defining characteristics of our friendship, I'm just also so happy that that happened for you because you are so creative and it's so long ago now, but it was so much part of your original identity moving into becoming a entrepreneur and having your business was about being a lawyer and being unhappy in that situation and changing it. And, and I think because it was so, it was several eras away from where you are now that it doesn't come up as much but it's such a huge cool thing that I'm I'm glad that that happened when it did and it happened for you like relatively early on and young which is which is great and we we said this recently because you transitioned out of a another situation where you feel like you learned so much and whenever you try something new whenever you you know take on different projects or whatever it is like for you it makes you better suited to have conversations with a larger scope of people and have more empathy and obviously you can't have experienced everything that you're going to need to have empathy for you're not going to have like direct experience with empathy always probably you know not even that often however in terms of writing is that like if you've been hungry for instance you can you can like summon that to try to apply empathy for what it feels like to be starving or if you felt you know whatever there are levels to that and I feel like all the things that you have done or taken on in your life make you such an incredible friend and then at what you do because you have this level of nurturing empathy that is unmatched and I guess, you know, what I was going to say is like a defining characteristic of our friendship is we're very similar. I guess I always think of our brains as being very similar because we have a similar worldview. We just get along so well. We, I think part of that, honestly, is just like time and having a comfortability with each other. But 
part of it is like there are certain situations anxiety wise I think you know and we can we can get into that like we'll tell each other our spirals and understand like wow I would really feel that way too and in a way where I have spoken to other people you've spoken to other people even people like very very close to you where you're like they're just never gonna like get it exactly like I do but I understand like we understand that for each other but the math thing sim like we, I forget that we're so different. And like, I was not good at school. I was not, math was a, it's a miracle that I ever got through any of it. It was really, really challenging for me. I'm, I'm very slow with everything I do. Hi, I'm Simi, your host of the Unmeasured Podcast. I'm also a mindset mentor, intuitive eating counselor, health and life coach, founder of the Unmeasured Movement Membership, and author of Letting Go of Leo, How I Broke Up with Perfection. Consider me your personal architect, helping you to build the relationship with yourself that you know in the deepest part of your being you are meant to experience. That's why I created my six-month private coaching and mentorship program. In this program, I'll work with you one-on-one to help you tap into your wisdom, align with your values, heal your relationship with food and movement, embrace your body, release perfectionism, cultivate deep self-trust, turn up the self-compassion, and live your beautifully imperfect life. If you're ready to experience more peace, pleasure, presence, and purpose in your life, I'd love to support you to do that. Your six-month coaching and mentorship program is completely personalized support, coaching, guidance, and mentorship. This program includes 12 private coaching sessions and between session support, so you'll truly feel held every step of the way. To learn more about this one-on-one experience, read client stories, and request a consultation, head to simibodich.com backslash coaching. I'm here to help you build the relationship with yourself you truly deserve. I can't wait to connect. And I think a lot of this has been coming up recently for me and we were we've been talking about this because you've been so you've been mp mvp of of friends to me in the last month for for life you are an incredible friend but you really really you're i hope a lot of karma is going to come to you because you've been so supportive in a situation that i've been going through what that's work related and i was away for a month from la and not really with any friends and only talking to you about it and which I think is honestly, side note, a good thing to do instead of processing with several people. I think it's actually really great if you can have someone you trust and can just sort of talk about it with one person because I've been historically someone who just like talks and talks and talks about a situation that can make it worse. But anyway, you were so incredibly supportive and really understood what was happening. But but part of it was like I had this bit of, and I have, I'm like in the thick of it right now, this bit of shame, I think, around it brought up a lot of those feelings from school of like barely getting by in school. I could kind of talk my way into anything. I was really good at writing, not really good, but I was like, okay at writing in English. And I could, that, that part was fine. But the, but the math, the science, like, you know, all of it was, was really challenging. And I did, I did. Okay. I got, I got through it, but as in grown up, I haven't had to be, I've put myself into these work situations many for the last you know several years working for myself and even prior to that where I wasn't necessarily always in my zone of gene like it wasn't everything that just came easy for me I had to I had to try there are elements of every job that are more challenging than others but there are some organizational things there are some neurodivergenty things there are just some things where I'm I'm seeing as a grown-up like oh you you were like that then and it was really hard for you so to I guess for the question, it's sort of like, I can't even believe that I made it this far. Like I, in a way, I'm like, how did I get through college? How did I get through high school? Like, well, you know, like I got good grades. I got, I, you know, I, I went to a big state school and I, you know, but I, I got through it. I got through my, I did it all. And, and, and I'm proud of myself for like somebody when, when I would, speaking of math, this is like the math episode. Somebody. <laughs> episode was, one, everything yeah. you never wanted to know about math. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, there's a, a really close friend of mine has a, has a, has a really successful 
company. And someone who works for her was telling me about someone they hired. And this person was lovely. Like, they got along really well. But she was just, it wasn't quite working. And the way that she explained it to me was that they, her and the founder, like, kind of butted heads. And the the founder, and the founder explained it to me, a separate conversation separate day she was like yeah we just she was great but like this is the way she would do something and she would go you know around the back through the legs over the shoulder like she didn't say that but that's my words you know because that's kind of how I do things like and if the path is just like straight she's gonna take it around through the loop over here wait a little bit then like do a spin but she'll get there you know and when I was doing math as a kid, I remember like I'd show my work sometimes and I would, you know, wouldn't finish or I would, you know, I'd miss whatever. And I remember one time a teacher looking and be like, you, you got your, you know, when you have to show your work, you got the answer, but like, I have no idea. How, <laughs> like, I don't even understand everything that happened over here. You didn't do it the way I told you. You didn't use, I have no, like, what sort of spell did you cast to get the right number? And, you know, in the math, in math, it wasn't like, oh, well, you got it. Like, okay. It was like, no, you, sh you actually need to do it the other way because you're not going to get done with the test if you don't, you know? <laughs> so anyway, I think, I don't know if it really answers the question because honestly, like when I was uh, walking up the hill, I was like, God, should I ask him if there's another question? Because I'm like, I'm because this becomes a a believing in yourself question yes, a little bit, right? Exactly. I totally think I feel like the I think breaking this question down and going deeper, like when I think about what I shared, when I think about what you share, it's like there's identity to this, right? It's like you how you see yourself and who you see yourself to be and then it becomes like a like a self belief, a self like a self identity. There's so a layer of that here. It's like who do I believe that I am and who do I believe that I'm not? And I think that in that too I don't know. I guess I would want to ask someone. I guess I would love to ask you. It, is the person who you feel like you're not, is that someone who you want to be, you know? And if not, then I feel like it's more of a shedding of maybe some shame or pressure to be someone who you don't even want to be. It's like, if I didn't feel like I identified as a creative person, but I didn't feel like that was like holding me back at all. It's like, it really doesn't yeah. matter. Like maybe, you know, maybe I, there are things that I'm like, oh yeah, if I was a creative person, I might do those things. But if I didn't even want to do those things, then why does it matter? Like, it's just not, it's not important. Yeah. But if you feel like I can't do this thing because that's not who I am, but I really want to, or I really wish that I could, then I think that's like a whole different conversation where it's like, whoa, like how, how can you see yourself differently or who can support you to learn how to do this thing that you feel like you can't do or whose voice is telling you that that's not who you really are. Like, I just feel like there's so much, there's so much there, but I don't think personally that as adults, we should spend our energy trying to figure out how to be someone that we don't even want to be. And so I don't know, Katie, for you, it's like with, with the way that you might think about things or the way that you might work or the way that you might process things, it's like, but do you even like, is it even important for you to think about things or process things differently? Or is part of how you think about things like what makes the things that you do want to do so magical? You're always so good at breaking things down and helping me understand. <laughs> I think that's such a good point. I mean, I guess like going off this, like, you know, being organized and being good at school or not good at school, but we live in a world that those things are important. Like we live, we exist within capitalism. We exist within these structures that make my life's going to be much easier if I can do some of those things, you know, there are ways around it. Like there are ways to not go to college or not finish high school or to, um, 
you know, not have a job where you have to show up on time or not like all of those things. And I've kind of like done that for myself recently. Like my mom was always really hard on me about safety, like about these sorts of like safety and security things, because she is like you has a very different analytical brain. And we really butted heads in that way because, you know, every time I would, it'd be the last minute before the thing was due and I had months and I'm the last person to leave, you know, she would just, it really irked her as it, as it should. And I, you know, really was put in line, you know, to, to just do it. Right. And I think there is something about like, I, I did it. I showed up, even if it's like you, I can do those things. Like there, this, this is the question, I guess, at, you know, broader level. It's like, if I'm going to keep telling myself that I'm disorganized and I'm not good at school and I'm not, you know, it's like, sure. I maybe not going to, you know, be, get the highest grade and it's not going to come naturally for me, but like I, I got through and I can get through and it might, you know, take more of energy than another avenue does for me but I think that an interesting thing that I I think came up for me as I was thinking about this question on the hike today was like because I was like god you know I don't know what I believe in myself like I I was like I don't I don't think I have anything but the one thing that sort of came up which is relevant to you it and I think it actually relates to this is body wise like body image wise and vanity and beauty because that's one that I still struggle with that I still is you know pretty paramount in my brain in a in a way that I wish it wasn't ebbs and flows um but I think like you were saying you were good at math you were good at band but you really wanted to be creative and your sister kind of had that one and so that was your identity and you really had to like rail against that and now you have a you know you live a creative life I think you're right. Like it, this is all identity. And my my friend Crystal pointed this out to me, where she was like, "Okay, fine. You're not good at math and science, and those you're not going to be a woman in STEM. Like, be an artist." <laughs> and she was like, "Why don't you identify as an artist?" And I was like, "Well, I'm not. I'm not an artist. Like, I don't make art. So uh, how am I an artist? You know?" And she was like, "Well, figure that out later. But you live an artist lifestyle. So like, why don't you identify with that and see how that goes?" And I was like, okay, I'm an artist that doesn't make art. But it did (laughs) shape something in me where I was like, oh, an artist archetype would be someone like, it doesn't matter if they show up on time. They're like an aloof artist. And I do think those things are important. That's not how I'm thinking. But but it reframed this thought in my brain of like, oh, to your point, like, does not matter if I don't have some of those skills like or does it? And I don't know. But I but it her reframing that archetype was like, Instead of me being like, oh, you know, I just can't like, okay, be this then. And, and I think that's interesting, but like to your, what I was starting to say about the creative thing, like you were, you did want that and you had to like shift this archetype and be expanded enough to be like, oh, I actually like, can be like my sister. I have these other skills. I can develop these other skills, etc. And I think for me, something that has been challenging has been this thought of like, all right, well, I'm not really good at school. I'm not really, that's not it. I'm also not really creative. Maybe I'll just make my body the thing. Like, not that I'm like, and I also never felt like I was pretty enough. So I was like, maybe I can just, okay, those things are all too much. I'll just restrict food and become that I could do really well. (laughs) Like I could, you know, morph my body into this thing it didn't want to be and was really unhealthy and not fun to be around, but I could do that. (laughs) And so it was a cop out of, I couldn't believe these other things enough. So instead I'll just put all of my energy, especially, you know, when my life was in this malleable place, I, in college and, you know, figuring out a career, whatever, I'll just put all of my energy into restricting food and controlling that. And then I don't have to think about the other things. And honestly, like that has been a through line, like through my 20s and 30s. Well, I'm like just starting my 30s, but it's ebbed and flowed and I've been, you know, in really good spots with it. But it still comes up as like something that 
my anxiety will pool over there because I don't want to deal with this other thing. And now I'm really self-aware. I am more self-aware today than I have been the last 33 years. And I hope that I, I think I believe that we all become the most self-aware, like right before we die. So that is just a given. So now I can kind of see these things happening in these patterns and, you know, having long-term friendships, I think is really important because we never see ourselves clearly, but I've had people call me out and say like, and that, that's what intimacy is too. Like the people who get close enough to you to be like, you've done this a bunch of times before and it's not cool. And how are you going to change or, you know, so to answer the question, I'm not really sure yeah, what's the question again? <laughs> I love it. What's something you realized you wrote off for yourself? Why do you think you did? And how did you open yourself up to believe in this option for yourself? Okay, so then the body thing, what I was going to say about that is like all these things that I was like, I would blame it on that. Like, well, I'm not smart enough. I'm not cool enough. I'm not interesting enough. I'll just be thin enough. And then maybe then I'll have that. That'll be it. And then that is that is something that I've realized the times where I have been body image off or not feeling good about myself or, you know, my clothes fitting differently or whatever, feeling uncomfortable in my skin, I've, you know, been able to do, it doesn't matter. Like people don't care what you look like. They care how you, they, you make them feel. They want you to, to show up as yourself. And, and I think that has been such a continual um, you know, not like sword in my spine or whatever, like not to be a victim about it, but it, it, it and I'm not like, it, it's something that I'm, you have in my control, but it has been something that continues to, I continue to have to be like, no, not, not again. You, you see where this goes, but it's really ingrained in there as a, um, as a cop out to believe in these other areas. And this conversation's helping me now. I'm like, all right, figure out what you want to believe in. And then there have been some times where I'm like, I never thought that because of these, I can see the downsides of me not believing. Like, for instance, I was just in a city with, I was in uh, Montreal and I was riding the subway and going, you know, all, all these places on my own. And I think there would have been a time in my life, and maybe this is not necessarily belief, but belief is really easy it's really easy to believe in yourself when you have proof, like when you've just done it before, it's much easier to be like, Oh, I believe in myself. Cause I just did that actually. So I think there would have been a time in my life where I was like, Oh, you don't know how to navigate a city and ride the subway. And I, before I moved to New York, I, as you know, I, I was just like, I can't do it. I'm never going to learn the subway. How am I going to do it? How am I going to like, I don't know anybody who ever moved to New York. Uh, how could I do it? And I did it. I figured it out. I feel, and now I feel very comfortable going to any city in the world and I can know how to use the subway and go anywhere. And, and, and I, I was not that way before. And I think, um, that is the example that, you know, came to me at when I got to the bottom of the hike, because it, it does sort of feel like even, have you seen this movie after hours? No, I don't even know if I've heard about it. it it's like a slept on, um, Martin Scorsese movie, but they had a, a showing at the, there was a really cool theater that had great programming right by where I was staying in, in Montreal. And I, I wish I would have found it earlier because I, in the trip, cause I would have gone to more screenings, but I, I saw two. And one of them was, was after hours. And it's, I think it's from 1985. And he, it's about this guy who is kind of like a yuppie, like upper, like up, uptown guy. And he go, basically it's all takes place over the course of a night and he goes to Soho and like drama ensues. And it's all sort of this like fever dream. It's really good. It's a, it's a great watch. But anyway, I really identified with this character of like, he feels like he's on the outside of this world and he just wants to get home, but he really wanted to go. Like he really wanted to be invited and he really wanted to go see this girl and go downtown and be in this artist community. But like he feels on the outside of it and it's good until it's not. And then he's just trying to leave. And that's kind of what the, the whole movie is about. And I've, I've really felt that way before where I've, I have identified a group of people as special or put them on a pedestal and so many different times and eras and cities in my, in my life where I've just like, well, if they just liked me, if they, if they just, you know, if, they, if I could, and then 
you know, I always think of something that Tim always says, we all put on our pants one leg at a time. And the more time that you spend with people, the more it's like, we all put on our pants one leg. I was probably telling you both about how I had put, you know, a situation or group of people or person on a pedestal. And that's probably, I don't even remember the context he said, said that in. But I, I think about that all the time because the more that is something that I do feel, I do believe in myself in those areas. Like I know I can travel anywhere in the world by myself. I'm very good at that. I, I, I feel very, I believe in myself with it because I didn't have to do the work of believing. I just did it. Um, And so maybe that's my method. And then same thing, like with the body stuff, I have a, I have a sample size to be like, oh, that, that wasn't it actually, you know, that's fruitless to, to, to pursue that. And then same with like groups of people and friends and relationships where it's like, the closer you get to people that you put on a pedestal, you realize we're all just people, you know? So yes. I guess those are the the ones. Something you, um, I'm thinking a lot about something that you shared around like, well, I wasn't like good enough in school and I'm not creative enough um, and I'm not pretty enough. Maybe I can be thin enough or like I can be thin enough. You know, that, that like line of thought that you shared, which thank you so much for sharing that. I just want you to know that I think you're enough across the board. And I do feel like that, that that's making me, that's just bringing up so many things for me, which is maybe one of the reasons why we feel um, held back from pursuing something, like why we write things off for ourselves is because of identity around those things what we let's say we have an idea of like what a creative person is or we have an i we have like an identity around what someone who's good at school is and it's like well i'm i'm not that like i can't live up to that full that full blown identity or i don't fully like embody that archetype or something like that you know and then we feel not enough And then it's like, well, I'm never, I'm not like enough in that. So I'm not going to do that. Or I'm not enough at that. Like I, I shouldn't even try where, and I think to your point, it's like looking from one thing to another. And then finally, you know, the body stuff where it's like, okay, I could be thin enough. Like that's something that I could do like the right way or that I could like be good at. It's like, I think we all want to be good. And I think we all want to feel like we're enough. And so when we have this really like high standard or specific standard or way that we feel like something has to be done. And we don't feel like that reflects us in this moment. It's like, well, I'm going to write my, I'm going to write that off for myself. And I'm going to find something that like, maybe I feel like I can be really good at, or I can be enough at. And maybe the way to, you know, open something up as an option for ourselves is to take away like the, identity or the enough or the like archetype around something and then it's like you know well are you creative enough like what is creative enough like what would that be because like from the outside I look at you and I'm like Katie's doing so many like cool creative things you know and maybe it's less about saying like am I a creative person or like do I identify with like this word or this thing and more about like asking ourselves like what's one small step I can take to create experiences in my life that will show me that this is possible for me and not worry about like stepping into some like full identity around it. Um, But then also recognizing like when we're pursuing things that might not feel the healthiest for us or might not feel the most fulfilling for us. And it's like, well, what is, you said like, the thinness thing, you mentioned it being a cop-out. And I actually think it was like that there's such a loving, like positive intention underneath that. It's like, oh my gosh, you just want to feel enough. You just want to feel good at something. And so this was, this is like the default. And so I think being able to like dig, you know, like dig beneath that and and see that positive intention is so huge. But for me, like with the creativity piece, it's like I, in the beginning, I didn't think like, oh, I am going to be a creative person now. It was just like, okay, I'm going to pursue like entrepreneurship and it required me to do some like creative tasks. And that helped me to like open up my, like open up my mind to that. 
and then you get the experience and then you feel like, oh, I yeah. can trust, I can trust myself to do this. Like I can trust myself to take the subway. I can trust myself to travel like anywhere in the world um, and do that. And like, it doesn't define me. Like I'm not defined by like what I do and don't do creatively. Like I'm just, I, I'm just a person. And also I guess like just is a weird thing to put before like being a person. I'm a person and these are, you know, things that I do or these are ways that I express myself or um, these are things that I struggle with rather than like creating identity around that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think to this point, one of the reasons I think I was getting so tripped up with the question as I'm like, God, I'm really thinking it over and, and hearing your answer too. Maybe, and just this is like, feel free to tell me this is wrong. I think in my experience, I don't believe that I can believe in myself. Okay? Pretend that's fine. And it might be. However, I do know that sometimes I just do things and then I believe. Right. So like totally I, I I had this Kurt Vonnegut quote that I wrote down when I was maybe in like freshman year of college or something. We are what we pretend to be. Be careful what you pretend to be. And it's essentially fake it till you make it. But I used to say it all the time. And I used to think about it all the time. And it was one of the first like self-helpy not that Vonnegut is like a self-helpy, the like ultimate before. self-help guru. <laughs> yeah, it was before I got into any of all any of that, which, as you know, I really, really, really did. But, but that was kind of it. Like, I think for me, as much as like I've gotten into the sort of reprogram and and uh, journaling and like figure it, like the more I overthink that, like the more I really try the worse it becomes, but totally. all the success I've got, not, not necessarily success, but like, you know, becoming, making a friend or moving or whatever it is. It really has just been when I've said like, okay, what's next? And I've yeah. just done it. And if I do it a couple times, then I, then I, then I start to believe it. And so I think for me, it's like, I honestly like, don't believe in myself, haven't really believed in myself much. However, I've done a bunch of stuff and I fix it in post, you know, like I, I can believe myself, yes. believe in myself after. Katie, I love this. And I feel like this is such a beautiful, um, like such a beautiful synopsis of all the things that we've talked about bringing it together where it's like, you don't have to, this is going to be so refreshing for people to hear. You don't have to believe in yourself if they're just do something. Like yeah. do something, you'll figure it out along the way. You'll be doing things more and more. And then you'll begin to believe in yourself because you'll have proof like, oh, look, I already did that. Yeah. And I mean, I think that like the, the important thing to not gloss over here is like, it's kind of hard to do things when you don't believe in yourself. Like it's a little bit challenging to, there's a lot of anxiety that comes with that for the first time. The, the more right. you do it, the, the easier it becomes. But you need some tenacity. <laughs> you need some support. Yes. Like I, I'm, I'm nothing without support. I was listening to this podcast and it said that people who have to have tough conversations, if they know that they're going to talk about it with a friend after they have someone they can process with, they'll be, their heart rate will be lower. The conversation will go better. Like there's, there's something to be said for, for support for sure here. And I think like, yeah, I mean, it's sort of the same thing as like, there's one way to do it is to, to, to believe in yourself and amp yourself up and, yep. and, and, and really try that way, which I think I kind of had when we, when I was younger, like maybe that is a little bit of what I was doing, but the older I've gotten, the, the less I have that sort of blind confidence and belief in myself, but the, the more I do have of experience of like, I figured that out. I'll probably figure this out. But the yeah. important thing to to know is that like the belief could be really helpful to develop because when you really don't have it, when I really write things off, like we were speaking about this in the context of my my recent work situation, when I tell myself I'm actually bad at something, I not only won't do it well, it'll be very challenging for me to do it at all. And I will often just not 
try. And then the, the really bad part is that the shame starts to bubble up. Like, for instance, I, I started taking ceramics a couple of years ago and I was terrible at it to, to start. I'd never done it before, but I have a lot of friends who are really good at it. And I, I don't know if I, it's not like I thought I was going to be good at it. I just thought I would be better than I was. Like I knew I'd be bad, but I didn't think I'd be like quite that bad. Like I didn't think it would bring up all the like, oh, you're the worst person in the class. Like everyone's doing it, but you, did you not listen to something? Like, why aren't you centering on the way? Like it really brought up all these school feelings and it made me not want to go at all. I did. I didn't go to practice. Everybody else went to practice. Everyone else, you know, and I would show it and I kept making the joke at ceramics. Like, I'm here for the camaraderie, not the pottery. I'm making friends and I'm <laughs> hanging out, like, which is true and kind of what I did in school too. Like I doubled down on the parts that I'm good at and I just like, well, I can't find the remote. I just won't watch TV. I'll do this other thing over here, which is an adaptive quality and, you know, has gotten me this far. But if I wanted to get good at terms, like I, I probably could have, like I probably could have learned hand building and I pr maybe I still will, but like I'd have to go to practice, but I yeah. couldn't get over those shame feelings. And I just didn't want to, which is like, in, in that context, like, all right, I just won't do that because it doesn't make me feel good. And that's what the whole point of doing that activity that I was paying for was. So I think we have to decide, like, you might have to like push through some of that shame, man, and like do it a little bit because you're not going to get better from this sort of a place. Anytime that I... um am feeling a lack of confidence in a situation, I try to remember, I'm like, okay, wait, what do I believe about confidence? I think confidence in someone else is just like, I trust this other person, but confidence in myself is I trust myself. So like self-confidence, self-trust. So if I'm feeling like on the surface, I don't have confidence. Like if I were to go to a pottery class, I'm sure I would be like, I feel like I could imagine a similar scenario where I'd be like, wow, I am the worst one in the class here because that was true. Like when I was a kid, my sister and I went to this painting class together. We did this art class and they let my sister come to the class. She's four years younger than me. She was like the youngest one in the class and they let her come in and like, she was the best painter. I think my mom still has like this one painting she did of a tiger at the class and like my tiger came home and it, like, it was just like an effing blob. Like it was so bad. So I imagine pottery would probably be something similar to start, but uh, when I go into something and I'm like, wow, I'm feeling like low confidence here. Like in that example, I'm feeling like I don't know how to make pottery. I try to ask myself, I'm like, what, what can I trust about myself in this situation? And like, that helps me so much to break out of like, I'm not good enough. I'm not good at this. I'm bad at this. I suck at this. Like that whole thing that can kick off the shame. And I'm like, you know what? I have learned new things countless times. I am capable. I can trust that I can learn new things or like I can trust that um, I can ask for help. I can trust that um, I, you know, like thinking, asking myself, like, what can I trust about myself in this situation helps me so much to find small, like lowercase c confidence in those moments rather than maybe like the capital C like confidence in those moments. Yeah. That's something that really helps shift things for me. That's so good. So much of this, like, you know, I, I don't have any of the sibling stuff because I'm an only child, but we, you know, I think that bit with your sister, like that had to really be formative. And I'm glad that you have that self-awareness around how that impacted you now. But so much of this, you know, we can, I've done it too, like gone back to childhood and school as a parent, like how much are you thinking about this with Ocean Yazi about like, it would, it would be so, it's so high pressure, you know, like, how do you, how do you look at this with that? Oh my gosh. Parenthood, like high pressure. Yes. I just want to, you know, it's like, I want to do it right. I want to do it perfectly. And that's for sure not happening and like not even possible, but I think for me, I try to really encourage them to be in a growth mindset and to try to really encourage them to know that like it's okay to make mistakes and we can learn new things. And I try to just really affirm for them like how much I love them as individuals and as human beings, not because of like what they do or what they're what they're good at. Um 
And that's so like, that feels so huge. And like my, it's so interesting. I like brought up the example of my sister being creative because she is, she's, you know, an incredible storyteller and like, you know, she's just a magnificent person in general. My sister and I, we didn't have, like, there was no competition between us growing up. Like it wasn't, I I mean, literally I probably left that art class and I was just like, well, that's her lane. Like I'm going to find mine. Like there was no, we didn't have like a, there, there was no sense of that, uh, in our dynamic. And I feel very thankful for that. Um, but I do try to also cultivate an environment with my kids where they don't feel like they're in competition with, um, with one another. And I try to encourage them to do the things that they love, but also like, sometimes we have to do things that we don't love and, you know, so balancing that, but definitely like trying to encourage growth mindset and trying to just like just affirm like their hearts and who they are as as human beings and how much I just love and like you know delight in them I try to tell them that every single day and I also do things every single day where I'm like whoa send me the therapy bill when you get older because that's for sure gonna you know, I, I'm sure I'm doing things right now where my kids are, you know, gonna be adults. And they're like, I can't believe mom did this, but I, I will say that, um, I am confident that I am trying my absolute best. Yeah. Well, first of all, you're incredible. You're, you know, incredible, incredible mom. And they're, they're lucky to have you. Like I'm lucky to have you as a friend. And I also think, you know, like you, when you were like, I try to encourage them to do things they love, but also that sometimes we have to do things we don't love. Like if I think about that, of like, oh, wow, I wish, wish my mom would have really put me in more art or notice these therapy things about me or notice maybe I was this or that, like, sure. But also she did a lot of really great things mm-hmm. of like, forced me to do things I didn't want to do. So now I know I can. And, and I think it, I wouldn't be here talking to you as this version of myself without, you know, things that some, a therapist might say were a mistake of hers, or she might look at back at now and think of as a mistake, but I'm so glad that it all shook out as it did, or or it wouldn't, you know, be, we wouldn't be working with this. And me too. I'm so glad it shook out as it as it did because you're just so fantastic and so wonderful. And I love you so much, Katie. And I'm so glad that we got to do this and that you came on here. First episode. First episode. I can't imagine. I can't imagine my first with anyone else. I'm so thankful. I made it longer than you wanted it to be. Getting it more and more into my realm. If I stick around here long enough, it'll be another two hours. Listen, I'll keep talking to you forever. I can't wait. I'm like, we'll end this. We'll end this episode, and uh, I'll start my daily <laughs> my daily excessive voice texting to you right afterwards. Well, it's. I mean, it it makes sense. It's like my podcast is so long for the same reason that took me forever to do the math. Because I, you know, I'll I'll make my point, but I'm gonna go around the back, through the legs, like over the shoulder. So you're you're so great, and everyone listening, thank you for bearing with me and and listening and and my my storytelling. Um, not that concise. <laughs> I saw something on, um, I was going to be like, I read something. I saw it on social media, uh, the other day that said, is it the, is it the journey or the destination? And then it said, it was like a text message. So someone sent a text message, like, you know, what's more important, the journey or the destination. And then someone else replied and wrote the company. And I was like, I've literally never seen something that I loved more than that. I'm like, I want to frame that in my house. And I think like, I'm just so grateful to get to have your company, like wherever, wherever we're going on the journey, the destination, whatever it is, I feel so thankful for your company. And I love you so much. I love you so, so much. I like real quick related, funny anecdote. If now, now we are just doing the view, but last night I (laughs) I had dreams are coming true just for you. See, believe you did it. Um, well, okay, just I'll I'll keep this this part I will actually keep tight. But the context of the story, I'm having dinner with my friend Sophie, who who you know, and we a restaurant in our neighborhood that that was surprising closed. And I knew this information and she didn't, and I knew like some context around it. And so she was like, What happened? Because we were gonna go there. And I was like, Oh, I'll tell you everything. But then I began with 
remember that in the first time I ever went there, you met me there. And remember, you had just come back from shooting that music video. I remember we sat there, and it was the first time I ever had Costume Pepe, and we sat there, and then remember it was kind of COVID-y, and we were had all the <laughs> and, and she's like, I love that I asked you a question about this other thing, and you went into this nostalgic memory for about like 20 minutes, and I still have no idea what like any of the information I asked about. <laughs> Gotta keep it so, nostalgic. Anyway, that's that's what that's what you were working with today. It's insufferable, and I um you're a you're a saint for it's a delight. It's a delight. Thank you so much, Katie. I love you. Thanks for doing this with me. Happy, you know, first, Congrats. happy first unmeasured episode. Oh my God. I, to, to many, many more. Cheers. Um, cheers. Microphone cheers. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Unmeasured Podcast. If you did, I'd love you to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast so that we can reach more people who are looking to live unmeasured. If you're ready for more, come hang with me on Instagram at Simi Bodich. Sign up for a seven-day free trial of Unmeasured, the virtual bar membership that celebrates your body and never shames it at movementunmeasured.com or visit simibodich.com to get my weekly emails and learn more about my coaching and mentorship offerings. Thanks for joining me today. I can't wait to see you next time.